I mean, hey, forgot to spit my gum out. All right, how's it going? It's pre- pretty good. Did you say really good? Hey, uh, it's good to see you all or y'all. Uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 4 today, so um, if you have your Bibles, that'd be awesome if you would turn to it. If you don't, um, you're at church. Come on. Um, Acts chapter 4, seriously. Or, yes, okay. How many of you have ever prayed to get out of something? And, and I would hope that that doesn't include like this morning right now, but that could. Right? Who's you? Some of you, you're like, yes, I pray every week to get out of school, to get out of trouble, to get out. What are some things we pray to get out of? Ch- childbirth. I, you know, God answered my prayer. I prayed to get out of that. I'm sorry. That was actually it was pretty awkward. I mean, it was it was it was it's tough watching all that. Right. Anyway. Um, what, besides childbirth, thank you. How, how else do you, what else, what else do you pray to get out of? (laughs) I was not expecting that one. (laughs) Huh? Tests, you pray to get out of tests. Yes, I've prayed that often in my life. Conflict, you pray to get out of conflict. How many of you just enjoy conflict? Some of you, you're like, if there's not conflict, we need to make some because I feel comfortable there. That's my happy spot, just being in conflict. You like drama? That's what we call it in our house. This is just drama. And you're not actors or actresses, so cut the drama. And they're like, but Daddy, you're pretty dramatic. All right. I pray to get out of that, too. All right, what else do we pray to get out of? Sin. That would be a good thing to pray to get out of. I don't know if this is resonating with you, but it does with me. Most of the time when I'm praying to get outside, it's because I'm really uncomfortable with it or I'm thinking life would be better if this were not a part of it. Yes. <laughs> the lights agree with me on that one. And the thing that I, I see over and over in Scripture is that what I think life would be better without is the kind of thing that the early believers embraced and just accepted and thought, Thank you, Jesus, that you glorify yourself here. And the thought that I have most of the time is, God, can you glorify yourself through something that's, like, comfortable? (laughs) Can you glorify yourself through something that kind of is good for me, according to what I think? Because at the bottom of it, I think there's this level of distrust that I have, that if I just really completely trust him, and he really is who he says he is, that he works everything out for the good, then my life, I don't know. I mean, if I just give up control of my life, then then I'm going to go through stuff that we see right in the scriptures that you're going to watch on Wednesday that you're like, do I really want to go through that? Jesus, are you worth that? And most of the time I think I I really question that personally. Like, I say you're worth that, but then when the littlest thing comes, man, God, can you deliver us from this? Maybe you find yourself in the same way because, I I mean, I I did that all through school. Like, God, you know, the stuff that I slept over, like my head is to touch the book will you just make it sink in somehow and then this test will be smoother and I would like pass that'd be awesome 
can you just get me through this next week? Because it's so, I don't even know how I'm going to get through it. So it'd be awesome if we just like immediately take spring break and somehow you arrange the dates because I know you're God of time. So if you could arrange the dates and make like a four-week spring break and I could just go through this whole test and paper and, and this relationship, and I'm like I don't even know how, whatever, right? Like if you just get us through all this and like move us past it, that'd be awesome. Crazy Jesus, right? And yes, he is God of time and he could do that. But I think the reason why he doesn't is because it's not what's best for you. And I think a part of as we go through this is redefining how we see what's best for us. So in Acts chapter 4, we see this taking place. This is right after Peter heals a dude that was lame, which would be why he would heal him. And, and he preaches his second sermon. And I don't know if you know a whole lot about Peter. I'm assuming you do because you're at Temple Bible Church and they teach the Bible here. So you, I'm assuming you know something about Peter. And he's this guy that when he was following Jesus was bold but clueless, right? He he was this guy that would speak up at any point, but he was totally misguided. He thought when Jesus said, follow me, that what he, Jesus was saying was protect me. And so at every turn, he's trying to protect Jesus in his glory. And Jesus the whole time is saying, I don't need protection. I've called you. I can protect you. You see how we walk through this. You're following me. You're not protecting me. And Peter's like, I don't know about that. And then he goes through this intense period of brokenness, and it, which was incredibly uh, useful for him, even though he would probably say, I wish that didn't happen before it happened. When he gets through the other side and the Holy Spirit's living inside of him, he's like, oh, I'm so glad that happened because I see this all Jesus and not me. And so then that's where we pick up in Acts. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's preaching, and, all of, and he's going from preaching this misguided uh, message to preaching this focused, clear very powerful message of Christ resurrected for these people. And thousands are coming to know him, this is, to know Jesus. This is an incredible movement that's beginning here. It's called Christianity. And um, in chapter 3, he does his second sermon. And what do you think is the result of his second sermon? Any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, he was a good preacher. He was so good that... Actually, this really has nothing to do with Peter. But at this moment, he's, he's preaching this incredible message because he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is speaking through him using his voice. It's really the Spirit doing it. But the people are like, the people in power, they're like, let's shut Peter up, or let's make him be quiet if you don't use that language in your house. Right? Let's, let's make him not talk because we're afraid that the people are going to start listening. And here's what happens. The people actually do listen, and before they can get him like to be quiet, 5,000 more people come to know Jesus. And so their plan is like, you know, they're reactionary. They're a little behind the times. I don't know. Government seems to be like that sometimes. Um, anyway, so this, these people in power are trying to, to quiet this Christianity thing. Because all they keep doing is talking about this Jesus who was crucified but who is no longer dead. Right? God's not dead. Hello? And then um, he's, he's now alive and he's living in these people and he's speaking through them. And the people who are in power are like, we need to make this stop. Because this means the end of everything for us. We, not only that, we're the people in power. And yeah, these guys are speaking with power. We've got problems here. So, though 5,000 people come to the faith, uh, Peter and the apostles, they're arrested here. And they get thrown into prison. And um, we're going to pick up in chapter 4. My paper just turned. All right, let's go to verse 3 in chapter 4. These people in power, they laid hands on them 
and, and uh, put them in jail until the next day for it was already evening. So they're just going to spend the night there. Nothing ever happens at nighttime, right? Um, but there were many that heard the message, about 5,000 believed. Then they get together, they, they start figuring out, like, let's get a group of people together to question these guys. Let's go down to verse 7. And when they had uh, placed them in the center, these are the apostles, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? That's a good question to ask when people are being saved. Like, what, what's happening? Uh, actually, they're asking us because this dude was healed. So how are you healing this guy? Because we would really like to know. Because <laughs> he's been begging us for ages. All right, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, I think that's an important statement there. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. In other words, you guys who are in authority, who are in power. If we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be made known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. Let's just make sure I'm not just whispering this. I'm not timidly coming to you and be like, I think it was this, right? It's, I, I would just like everybody, let's, let's make it easy for us because we're preaching anyway. So let's just let everybody know what's happened. That by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, and if you don't know who he is, he's the one you crucified. He's also the one that God raised from the dead. So you killed him, God raised him. By this name, this man stands here before you in good health. Jesus is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. This is incredible. You see Peter, who's not even all that educated. He's not even in a place of position of of power. And yet he is speaking to those who are in power over him, who are in authority over him. He's speaking to them with this power. And the thing that takes place here is that he is bold. He's not arrogant. He's not confident in himself. That's the difference here. We see a boldness in him that is only because of the power of the Spirit in him, and so that's why it's a pure boldness. And most of the time what we see in our world is this boldness that's distorted. It's this boldness that's filled with conceit, this uh, self-loving thought for us, that we have this, I'm so great, I'm going to make myself known. I'm I'm, I'm so confident of this that that I am capable of doing this that I'm going to get mine, right? So So Peter is standing here. He's not bucking the authority to be rebellious. He's bucking the authority because of the one that he sees himself under is Christ. And so he's able to stand before anyone. Now, the only way we get there is if we start with Christ. The only way we get to that place of boldness, where it's this pure boldness, this boldness that's not for our glory, our gain, but is all for Christ, is if we start with him. So I think what we see here is that though they're in prison, they're free. That though they are being persecuted, they're healed, they're whole, they're lacking in nothing because they aren't starting with where they are, but they're starting with Christ. And what their confession is at this point is that if we're here, it's because this is where Christ chooses to speak through us at this time. That if we're here right now, this is the best place for us because this is where God wants to glorify himself and live his life out through us at this moment. Can you imagine if you were actually at school and you have this test that you just have no idea what's going on and you're like, God, you have me here for this moment for you to be glorified through an A or through an F. But whatever it is, I'm yours because I start with you. I don't start with this test. I start with you. I don't start with this relationship I've got going on. I start with you. I don't start with where I'm stuck <laughs> because you've set me free. See, these guys, their starting point was Christ. And it's because Christ 
had shown himself to them, and they had embraced him as being their everything. And so at this moment, we see something that's pretty powerful. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're speaking. Now, let's see the people who are in power and authority. Let's see what they have to say. Verse 13. Now, as these guys observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having what? Been with Jesus. Man, wouldn't that be, that just be amazing? If you guys walk out of here and go to lunch and people are like, you've been with Jesus. When I was at, in college, there was actually a church that we knew who went there. Even though we didn't go there, we, we could walk around campus, we see these people glowing. We're like, we know where you go to church. Because <laughs> you guys, I, like it's obvious y'all love Jesus. I'm not really sure why we didn't go there. Uh, anyway, that's never, neither here nor there. But we were at a restaurant, and this guy was waiting on us, and it was crazy. I mean, it was literally like Jesus was serving us. So he comes over, we're like, hey, where do you go to church? And he told us, we were like, we know it. Everybody who goes there looks like they've been with Jesus. It's this incredible, like there's this, Thought with when when you see them, it's like there's this peace that's emanating from them, and it, and it's obviously not them. It's not like they were anything special. It was that Jesus, the one who is special, the one who is everything. That's kind of where they were starting with. So we began to taste just this. This is possible. <laughs> Jesus is still this real. That you can actually walk to somebody, you can actually have a conversation with somebody. Think, I have just talked with Jesus. It sounded like this person, it kind of looked like them, but there's something very different here. I mean, can you imagine if you just kind of walked to this place where you said, Jesus, I'm starting with you, I'm ending with you. You're the chief cornerstone. You're, you're the whole building, like my whole life is built around you. There, it doesn't go off anywhere else. There isn't a separate wing, right? It's just you, Jesus. That's it. No matter how educated, no matter how whatever group you're in, whatever it is, the point here is that you don't start there, you start with Jesus. And what you end up with is power and boldness. And you end up with the recognition that even people who don't want to embrace Jesus see something different. I think that's one of the most amazing things in this passage, that these leaders obviously knew Jesus. (laughs) They just didn't accept him. They didn't believe in him. They're like, Jesus is crazy, and he's going to ruin everything for us. But we know who's been with him because they're totally different. They're able to stand up here when everybody else is trembling, and they're able to say, Jesus is it, the one you crucified but God raised. You thought you were taking care of the problem. You didn't. You thought arresting me would keep this movement down. It won't because it's Jesus. And Jesus isn't bound by anybody. So even as you try to bound me here, <laughs> I'm not. So whether I am free or in prison, I'm free in Christ. And I will proclaim that as truth. I don't know. I usually don't think getting arrested would be a good thing. And if uh, I had a family member that was being arrested, would be like, you know, I would hopefully pray that they would get out. <laughs> um. But the thing that I always look at with, when you look at the scriptures is that I don't ever really see them saying, will you get us out of here? 
a prayer that's so common to all of us is God delivers from this moment. I don't really see that here. And most of the time throughout Scripture, it's God, in this moment, be my everything. In this moment, glorify yourself. In this moment, may my life just be yours. That's bold. It's not cocky. It's not arrogant. That's not standing up for the sake of standing up. That's standing up because your life is not here. (laughs) And you're inviting the one who is your life to make himself known in this moment, even when your body's probably saying, I'd rather just not be here. So these guys, they're watching these people who shouldn't have any power speak with power. And they're wondering what's going on. They don't really know what to do with all of it. And so they get together and they're like, the only thing we can do, because we're still, this is the other thing, they're, they're in power, but they're operating out of fear. It doesn't make sense, right? If you have power, you shouldn't be afraid. But these guys who are the rulers, they're afraid. They're afraid of Jesus, and they're afraid of these people who are starting to learn about Jesus and to walk in the faith. Everything they're doing is out of fear. Then you see Peter and John and these apostles, they're arrested. They should be afraid. They're before the people who could really hurt them. And there is no fear. Just a side thought. Anyway, so they don't really know what to do. They're trying to decide. But if they do anything too bad, then they're fearing this uprising of all these people who have believed because there are thousands now. And, and it, but if they just let them go, then they're, it's just going to keep growing. And so they don't really know what to do. So here's their grand idea, their, their amazing sentence that they're going to put on Peter and all the apostles. We're going to let you go because we're nice like that. Actually, we're really afraid, but we're nice like that. And the only thing that you can't do is keep preaching. Just stop healing and preaching, all right? Because you're, you're wearing us out. So let's see how they respond. And the place I have marked isn't it. 19, thank you. Uh, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. <laughs> I like that. That's kind of funny. Uh, for we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. That's what evangelism is. That's what it means to live by faith is all you're doing, sorry, is speaking what you've seen and heard. This is why you can go to a class and learn about Jesus and it not mean anything to you, and you have no idea how to share him because you haven't seen and heard him. You may have heard him with your ears and seen the words on the paper, but you haven't seen him or heard him. Do you get what I'm saying? With his eyes, with his ears, when you see and you hear him, you've got nothing else to talk about. Because when you see and you hear him, you realize that he is the life. And he's not only the life, he has become your life. And the thing that is your life is the thing you talk about. That's it. Yeah, it's good to talk about Jesus, but you talk about Jesus because he has ruined everything else for you in the best way possible. He has, he has completely redefined what your life is. You no longer start with yourself or where you are, and you start with him because that's it. And you end with him because that's it. You have nothing else but Jesus. You hold on to nobody else but Jesus, and you allow him to work his life out through you in such a way that what people see is that you've been with Jesus. They see him. That's this boldness. That's where it comes from. It doesn't come from trying harder. It doesn't come from, in this moment, I'm going to stand up. No, it comes in this moment, Jesus, I've got nothing but you. So they get released. 
And the first thing they do is they go to their believers, to these brothers and sisters in Christ. And they pray together. This is what church looks like. This is why Sundays are important. Because you don't come just to eat and hang out. You come because here, what I hope you see is Jesus. The whole purpose of church is to show Jesus to each other and encourage you as you go through each day. And so they get together and they pray. I would think my prayer at this point would be like, Jesus, thank you for delivering us from that. Now, can you move us somewhere where they, aren't, like, where they don't hate us? But the thing they pray is, God, you have us here. We pray for boldness here. All throughout Scripture, that's what we see. These people who say that Jesus is their everything, we, we just see them not praying for deliverance. <laughs> Because if you start with Jesus, then guess what? You've already been delivered. When we start with what's going on right now, we think we need something. We need you to to show up and deliver us. These people who are being persecuted that you're going to watch about on Wednesday, they've been delivered. (laughs) They don't have to go anywhere else. They've been delivered. So I, I pray for them to have an easier way to... But I pray, God, in the middle of that, will you continue to show them? Will they taste and see? Will they, will they just continue to proclaim as, you, as they let you speak through them this boldness that you are life and that you were crucified, but you've been risen? So because of that, we're delivered, even as our bodies ache and everything around us says we're in jail or we're stuck. That's not the case. What the believers get together and they pray for each other is that they will continue to walk in this dependence which leads to boldness. It's a dependent life on Christ. We say you are our life, and that's what leads to boldness. That's what leads to you being able to actually talk about him in conversation where you're not sweaty and trying to, like, am I going to say it wrong? Well, Jesus can speak through you. You can trust him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are good and that you work all things out for our good because you glorify yourself in all parts of life and in everything. So I pray that what we will walk through as the students begin to discuss this passage, that they'll see that you are faithful and true, that you are bigger than any circumstance, and that in the midst of it, you are their life, and so they can walk in boldness. And so I pray that this morning you just work that truth into our minds that we believe that you are our life, that you are everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now you get to talk amongst yourselves with your papers.